we're checking out a building supply store today and we're looking at the materials that people use to build houses. I guess the most fundamental question about heaven that people ask me is, what's heaven going to be like? You know, we know what the world looks like. We know what houses look like in our world. But what's heaven going to be like? Well, we're starting out here in a building supply store and you can take a look around and you can see the kinds of things that we use to build houses here in Wichita. But we're going to take a look in just a few moments at the building materials that God's going to use. Well, we're looking for construction materials in heaven, and so we came over here to Randy Cooper's Fine Jewelers in Bradley Fair, and we're going to be looking at some of the stones the Bible says will be part of the foundation of the city called New Jerusalem. And I'm really excited to have with us today Linda Stinson. She's an expert on building materials in heaven. She's a graduate gemologist here at Randy Cooper's. And so Linda's got several stones out here or gems out here that we're actually going to see in heaven. So Linda, if you'll take just a moment and kind of tell us what you have here. Okay, well, we have some gorgeous pearls, like the pearly gates, uh, South Sea pearls, uh, some freshwater pearls, and this strand also has uh, onyx, mother of pearl, and diamond in the clasp, and I believe onyx is mentioned in the Bible. We have matching earrings and ring with onyx, mother of pearl, and diamond, um, sapphire, and we have a beautiful sapphire ring. These are pink sapphires, blue sapphires. Um, we have amethyst, which is also mentioned. Uh, blue topaz, which is also mentioned. And the marvelous thing about God's bounty on earth and these beautiful gems is people are familiar with blue sapphire, but sapphires come in all colors. God has given us these gorgeous gems in all the colors of the rainbow to enjoy. Well, I, th I think that's one of the things that we're going to really enjoy when we get to heaven is seeing how it looks when all the light hits these stones. Because the Bible says there will be 12 different stones in the foundation of heaven. And it's just going to be dazzling, I think, to see all that. You, you've got pearls here, Linda. And my understanding is that pearls are made out of suffering, real pearls. I mean, because a grit of sand or a piece of sand will get into an oyster and he'll suffer and secrete. Is that correct? I mean, you know more about that than I. Actually, the, that was the way the uh, natural pearls were first found a um, hundred years ago, a couple hundred years ago, but now man helps the process along and puts a mother of pearl bead in the oyster, which it would also cause the oyster to suffer. suffer. <laughs> well, the reason I bring that bring that up is the Bible says that there will be huge pearls at the gates of heaven, which I think will remind us that the reason we're there is that Jesus suffered in our place. Now, here's what really gets me going, though, because I look at these you know, beautiful stones here at Randy Cooper's, and I know that even though they they may seem small here on the table, they're quite expensive. Some of, some of the diamonds especially are, get really expensive and pricey, or emeralds. Um, What's, what's exciting to me is when I read in the Bible about the New Jerusalem, if I do the math right, just the square footage of the first level of heaven is about 2 million square miles. And the Bible says that all these stones are going to be in the foundations. I mean, 2 million square miles of amethyst or a diamond, that would get kind of pricey. That would even be hard to find here at Randy Cooper's. It, it would. It would. I think that that would be uh, hard to find here on earth. We'll have to wait for heaven to see that many. I imagine when people come in here to Randy Cooper's Fine Jewelers that many times they're looking for that gift to express their love for someone who's very important to them. 
Is that is that right? And when I read about you know these millions of square miles of jewels, I wonder sometimes if that's not God's way of saying, "This is how much I care about you." That something that's very rare on the earth, God is saying. I want my place to be full of it to show you how valuable you are. Absolutely. Um, the brilliance of diamonds, we, we're here at our Hearts on Fire diamonds. Uh, they're just spectacular and they are uh, lasting, they're, they're an everlasting gem that uh, has just the most brilliance and color and life that that you can even imagine here on earth. So I'm sure heaven will be this a million times over. Well, I bet you're gonna be busy when you get up there. I believe that what you really love in this life, you'll get to experience more of it when you get to heaven. So being a gemologist here, I think you're gonna have a great time when you get to heaven. I think so. I think it'll be overwhelming and wonderful. You may be into both archeology span and gemology. When well, you I love them both. I love all of the gifts God has given us. Thanks so much for your time and, and uh, we just appreciate it so much for being part of our series on heaven. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we're tackling the question, what's heaven going to be like? And we started off at a building supply store to see what the building materials of this life are like. And then we wound up in a jewelry store seeing the kinds of building materials that God is going to use when we get to heaven. Right now, we're in the home of some good friends who have one of the most beautiful houses in Wichita, right here in Wilson Estates. And I guess the thought that comes to my mind when I look around this beautiful house is even with the building materials of this world, we can see some really beautiful homes. And this one is magnificent all the way around. I, every time I'm in this house, I just marvel at how, how beautiful it is. But you know, even with the most beautiful houses in this world, the houses are situated in a world where things don't always go well. We still get old, people get sick, bad things happen. Uh, I was on my way home from the office yesterday and on K96 I saw a horrible automobile accident where a gentleman passed away at the scene of the accident. And so even in a beautiful house like this, it's still in a world where bad things happen. One of the things I really like to think about in heaven is that the splendor and the beauty and the opulence that we're going to encounter there is going to be in a setting and an environment where bad things don't happen anymore. Certainly there will be beautiful houses in heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 2, in my father's house there are many dwelling places. Some translations say there are many rooms. One translation says there are many mansions. But the real word there, the real Greek word, just says places to live. In our Father's home in heaven, there are many places to live. And we know if the houses in our world can be as beautiful as this, that in heaven they're going to be even more extravagant. But as we've looked at already, God is going to make a different kind of world so that we will enjoy the opulence of heaven like we've never enjoyed it here. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, Well, Mark, I really would like to stay here. This world is okay for me right now. But the truth is, we all know that no matter how much of the good things of life we get to enjoy, there will be a time when it turns ugly. The great thing about heaven is we have all the best that God will ever make, and we'll never have any of the ugliness of life.
that's what heaven's going to be like. One of the most frequently asked questions I get about heaven is, will there be animals in heaven? This is one thing that the Bible's made real clear, and the answer is yes. First of all, we know God made the animals. All the species, the animals uh, like this little lamb here that uh, we see on a farm, or any animal in the world, in any part of the world, God made all the animals. But one thing the Bible does tell us is that there will be not only animals in heaven, but there's going to be perfect harmony among the animals. I'm going to read a verse from the Bible that tells us not only will there be animals in heaven, but what the relationship between the animals is going to be like. The Bible says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. So there will be animals in heaven, and they're going to get along. What's going to be amazing is we're going to see the world return back to its perfect ecological state that God created in the Garden of Eden. One of my favorite places in Wichita is the tropical rainforest here at our zoo. You know, coming from Texas where it's really warm in the winter, I kind of like coming here when it gets cold and icy and snowy, and just looking around makes me feel better about the winter. You know, we're talking about animals in heaven, and one of the things that really excites me is when I get with some of these beautiful creatures, these birds here at the zoo, and it gives me some idea about how awesome God is and how wonderful and beautiful the animals are going to be in heaven. I think about the parrots. I mean, who would put those colors together? Only God could do something like that. But let me just talk for a few moments about why heaven is going to be even more awesome than what we experience here on the earth. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that when Adam and Eve were in this perfect environment, maybe something like this rainforest here, that God gave them one rule. And he said, don't break my rule. And from the moment they did break God's rule, the Bible says there is a curse that settled in on the earth. And part of that curse affected the animal kingdom. You know, when we watch these television shows and we see these, you know, these predator animals chasing these innocent-looking animals, part of that is a curse that's on our world. What the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation is that in heaven, the Bible says, no longer will there be a curse on anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. So what we're going to discover in heaven is there's going to be absolute beauty. You're going to see every tropical fish. You're going to see every beautiful bird that we know of today. You're going to see all these awesome and majestic animals that God has made. And then there are going to be a whole lot more as well. It is going to be great. I'm in my favorite part of the zoo with my favorite animal, the Texas Longhorn. One of the more interesting questions that people ask me about heaven is, will animals be able to talk to me? Will we be able to communicate? First time I heard the question, I, I didn't know if there was a whole lot I could say on the subject, but the more I started looking and thinking, 
the more I saw that there, there are probably some pretty good in- indications that there's an answer to this question. First of all, we know that animals communicate with each other. God made them with the capability of communicating within their own species. But beyond that, our animals communicate with us. We sort of know what they have in mind. But when I started looking further in the Bible, I discovered that there were actually occasions where animals did talk to their owners. In the Old Testament, there was a, a donkey. The Bible says God opened the mouth of this donkey, and this donkey was able to communicate. So who knows? When we get to heaven, maybe we'll be able to talk to all the animals, and we'll find out what's on their minds. Well, when it comes to animals, the most frequently asked question is, will my pet be in heaven? Well, I'm here with my pet, Fred. Actually, this is Mary Alice's dog, but uh, Fred thinks we're his pets. But I I want to tackle that question for a moment. Will, Will our pets be in heaven? There really isn't a particular place in the Bible where we can go to where the Bible says either yes or no. So we don't know exactly. But let's talk about some biblical principles about heaven. First of all, we know God loves animals. We've been watching that as we've seen all the different animals in this segment. But God is the one who made animals in the first place. And then secondly, as we study heaven, we find that one of the great principles that we find over and over is that God recreates things in heaven. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth. So who knows? If God wanted to, certainly he could recreate our pets. Many Bible scholars through the years have had the idea that God would have the ability, if he wished, to make our pets over again so that we would get to enjoy them throughout eternity. But we do know this. God loves you very much, and he's thought for a long time about what heaven would be like to delight you. Whatever it will take to delight you in heaven, whatever it is that you'll care about deeply in heaven, God's going to make that available for you. So who knows? Maybe indeed when we get to heaven, we will see our pets again as God has recreated them for us. We'll have to wait and see. But one thing we know for certain, heaven is going to be everything God wants it to be for you. I'll admit it. Questions get tougher out here. I'm surrounded by cemeteries, as you can see, and each one of these stones tells the story that someone lived and then that person died. And when we go out to the cemetery to leave behind the mortal remains of someone we love very much, there are questions that gnaw on us, as in, how do I know for sure that my loved one is still alive? In fact, I've had people ask me the question, Mark, how can you prove When someone dies, that person is going to live again. Well, let's tackle that question. How do we know for sure that there is life after life? Every culture has some belief about life after life. It's just something innate. I believe that God has placed within the heart of every human being that awareness that we were destined for more than this life. But then there's something else. Those of us who follow Jesus, we have the Bible, God's Word on the subject. And the Bible has said very clearly that to be absent from this body is to be present with our Lord. How about some real firm assurance? The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, they took his body off the cross and they laid it in a grave. They took Jesus' body to a cemetery. It might not look like this one, but it was a cemetery nonetheless. But three days after they interred him in that grave, he walked out of the grave under his own power. And he wasn't just seen after his resurrection by two or three people. The Bible says there were 500 people who saw him at one time. It's been said by scholars that the most provable fact of the ancient world is that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose from the grave. And here's what Jesus said. 
He said, because I live, you shall live also. The proof of life after life is in the fact that Jesus died for you and me and that he rose from the grave and he's given us the promise that someday we're going to live forever with him. another question I get asked a lot is what's it like to die does everything fade to black or do we keep on living or what's it like well again the Bible gives us a clear-cut answer on this issue it's not something that we have to hope for or think about and come up with our own answers but the Bible tells us that and this is in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 we know that when this earthly tent that's this body that we live in is taken down that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house. That means our, our heavenly body, our eternal body. We have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. The Bible says, so we're always confident, verse 6, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we would be at home with the Lord. What that means is this. When you and I leave these earthly bodies that we live in, even though they may take this old body and put it in a cemetery somewhere, the real person goes right on living. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 26, whoever lives and believes in me, in Jesus, will never, ever die. So for every Christ follower who has a headstone out here in the cemetery, the truth is, the old tent they lived in may be buried in the ground. But the real person is more alive than I am right now at this moment. That real person is in heaven with Jesus Christ. And he or she will never die again. So yes, indeed, when physical death comes, we go right on living. No matter who you are, you're going to go right on living either with God or if you did not accept Jesus then you'll go right on living separated from God for eternity. But for everyone who follows Christ, the news is just absolutely awesome. You're not going to die. Another question that comes to me sometimes is, Mark, will I know my loved ones in heaven? Will I still know my mother or my dad or my brother or sister, someone who has passed on who knew Jesus? Well, I go back to the Bible, to the various stories in the Bible, when people come back to life. For instance, when Jesus came back to life, he was still Jesus, and he knew his disciples, and his disciples knew him. On another occasion, Jesus was on top of a mountain with Moses and Elijah, both who had been in eternity for a long time. But Jesus knew Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah knew each other. Moses and Elijah met the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. They all had a good time together. So the point that I see repeated in the Bible is that after we die and we're in eternity, we're still the same person we were before. And certainly we will know everyone at least as well as we knew them in this life. That's really important, isn't it? Because I think when we get to heaven, certainly the first person we're going to want to see is Jesus. But we're sure going to want to catch up with our, our loved ones who have been there for a while. In fact, I think one of the real exciting points of heaven is going to be when we get there and and maybe, you know, that mom or dad or brother, sister or wife or husband 
who's gone on before takes you around and shows you around heaven. I think that's going to be a really, really exciting time. But the Bible's really, really clear. Yeah, we'll know. We'll know people when we get to heaven. Not only will you know everybody that you knew in this life, you're going to be knowing millions more people. Well, let's tackle the toughest question of all. The Bible talks about a resurrection when the person comes out of the ground. And yet the Bible also says that when a person dies, he goes to be with God. So how could the person come out of the ground and be with God at the same time? Well, the Bible gives us an answer to that question in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the Bible says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Well, I can't bring something to you unless it's with me already. So the only way God could bring back those who have already passed on who follow Jesus is for them to be with him in heaven. But then the Bible goes on to say this. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there you have it. Our soul and spirit goes to be with God. And then the house that we lived in while we were in this life, this body, is placed in the ground. When Jesus comes back, those two are going to be put back together, our new body and the soul and spirit. Now somebody could say, well, Mark, how's that going to happen? Well, the Bible tells us it will happen in a split instant in the twinkling of an eye, so fast that we won't know what happens. But it's just God's way of doing things. So the next time you see a cemetery, just remember this. It's a place where the houses of those we love are resting temporarily while the real person is alive in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we're all awaiting that moment when Jesus Christ comes back. Maybe it'll be today. Well, we've tackled some questions about heaven today. Some have been kind of fun. Some have been really serious. But I want to tackle the biggest question of all, which is, how do I get to heaven? Or how do you get to heaven? You know, most Americans believe in heaven. The polls reveal that most Americans indeed do believe that heaven does exist. But where it gets a little dicey is when they're asked, how do you get to heaven? The standard answer that most people give is, I, heaven is for people who are good. And when asked why they feel they're going to heaven, most Americans will say, well, I think I'm going to heaven because I'm a nice person or I'm good to my neighbors. Well, it's important to be nice and it's certainly important to be good to people, but that won't get anyone into heaven. It's not enough. You know, there are ideas that people have about religion. Well, if I belong to a particular church, that church will get me to heaven. Or if I've been baptized or if I've performed sacraments or rituals, maybe that'll get me to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, none of those things are the way to heaven. 
I'm really grateful that one of Jesus' disciples posed this question to Jesus directly. We find this in the Gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's preparing his disciples for his crucifixion and his death. And Jesus tells them that he's going away. One of the disciples, Thomas, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? His question was, how do you get to heaven? What's the way to heaven? Jesus' answer, I believe, is one of the most important statements in the Bible, and we need to make sure that we hear it real clearly. Jesus spoke about himself saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father, Jesus said, except by me. Now that's a powerful statement because it tells us that the way to heaven is wrapped up completely in Jesus Christ. When we think about the way to heaven, we come to a cross because the cross says it all. Now, that's a strange thing to say that the cross is the way to heaven. But what we have to understand is that it's our sin that keeps us out of heaven. Sin means the things that we've done wrong. And I've got a long list just like you have. And those sins stand in between us and God. God had to find a way to take care of our sins. And the way he did, the only way he could have, was to send his son Jesus into the world. And Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And then he lay on a Roman cross and they nailed his hands and his feet there. And he willingly died in your and my place. Well, let, me, let me tell you what I mean about him taking care of our sins. When a person died back in Bible days, especially by crucifixion. The Roman powers would nail a sign to the top of the cross, and on that sign would be the crime that person was guilty of. So that after he died, they could take the sign off the cross because the price had been paid for that. Jesus didn't die because he got on the wrong side of the Roman powers. He died willingly as a sacrifice for our sins. His death was between him and God to pay for the sins that you and I have committed. And the way God looked at it, according to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 14, our sin, our sin, was nailed to the top of Jesus' cross. Not literally, but in God's mind, that's what was going on. So that after Jesus died, our sins were taken off of the cross because they had been paid for. Every sin you and I have ever committed. Someone will say, Mark, what about the sins I commit in the future? Well, when Jesus died, all your sins were future. And for the people who had already died, all their sins were past. But in the mind of God, sin had been forever discharged and paid for because of Christ's death on the cross. Now here's where you and I come in. Even though we didn't pay for our sin, Jesus paid for our sins, we must still personally receive that payment. It's a gift. Eternal life, heaven is the gift of God. And if you will receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all your sins will be taken away and you will have assurance that heaven is your future home. You know, I accepted Christ when I was eight years old. And I've known all that time that my sins were paid for. But one of the challenges I have in this world is, even though I know my sins are legally paid for, I still feel guilty. One of the big questions that I get asked a lot is, Mark, I know God has forgiven me. How do I forgive myself? I really think what that question means is, how do I deal with the guilt of knowing that I did wrong in the past and I still do wrong? Well, I think one of the greatest things about heaven is when we get there, not only will we know that we're innocent because God has declared us innocent, we're going to have that feeling throughout eternity that we are totally innocent before God. That's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you.